every sickness and every disease can be broken by the name of Jesus. The sickness and disease is there to put us in bondage, to put a stronghold into our life. Father, we can at any time that we choose use the name of Jesus to break that stronghold. And Father, we thank you so very much that you've given us access to this name. Father, you, you created a name, you were given a name above every name because of the work that you chose to do on this earth. You earned it, Father. You were granted that name by God the Father, a name that's above every name. And then you turned right around, Father, and gave use of that name to your church. Drop my name. Use my name. Take authority in every situation by my name. And I will back it up by my power. So, Father, we will. We will use your name. Destroy every sickness, every disease, Father. Every ache and pain will yield to the name of Jesus. Father, we choose to use the very name that you gave to us. We thank you for the Father. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is it true that the name of Jesus is above every name? Is it true that it will break every stronghold? Well, then we need to use it, right? Um, it's, uh, you know, the Lord... Uh, assign the use of his name to the church it's our responsibility to use that name amen if we choose not to use it in the times that we should use it you know God's not really under any obligation to make up our shortcoming amen he's not really obligated to do our job for us that's our responsibility I, I, you know I remember the time I've probably told this story many times but uh, I was driving one time and it was uh, I had just started raining a little bit and um, my truck hydroplane, it started, um, it lost all traction, but it started spinning on the interstate. So I'm driving, you know, at interstate speed, and uh, it starts spinning, and, and um, there was a transfer truck behind me, you know, guardrail on the right. I didn't see any traffic on the left-hand side. Uh, but in that moment, you know, these things happen so quickly, right? But in the moment, you know, the word of the Lord just rose up in my heart about, uh, whosoever shall call upon in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I know this typically used uh, in the case of salvation, but, you know, that word saved is sozo, which means deliverance, right? Deliverance from destruction. Uh, and um, I wasn't about to, you know, comment on the Lord about, you know, well, you know, Lord, uh, historically that's used in the context of salvation, not in this context. You know, you don't argue with the Lord when he, when he shows you those things. And so, so I just called on the name of Jesus. In fact, I just, I just uh, cried out Jesus, just like that, you know. And uh, when I did that, the truck righted itself and got in the correct lane, and um, no, there was no damage, but, uh, you know, it, and again, this all happens in just a, a blink of an eye, but, you know, when, when of course, when this truck starts spinning, uh, you turn your wheel in the opposite direction, right? You turn your wheel in the direction you're supposed to go, uh, and that's, you know, how it's supposed to work. Uh, but if you've got no traction, it doesn't do anything. And so uh, the, the truck went back facing the right direction and in the correct lane. Uh, but then I observed that my steering wheel was still turned in the wrong direction because it was still turned in the direction I, when I tried to turn it originally. And so, um, but I'm driving straight. And so um, I just, you know, kind of turned the steering wheel back the way it's supposed to go and, and kept on going. And nothing happened. There was no damage or, or anything. And, and so... You know, the name of Jesus is powerful and, and um, you know, we should wield it with uh, authority that the Lord gave to us. Uh, you know, in, in our circles, of course, we know a little bit about the name of Jesus and, and the charismatic and the Pentecostal circles. Uh, but, you know, we've gotten flaky over the years and we start applying it to, you know, your dishwasher is acting up or, you know, your neighbor's dog is barking or whatever, you know, and keeping you awake or the volunteers are playing the you know Alabama or something you know we use the name of Jesus and you know we we uh, we kind of get out of out of order in those things amen and we use the name of Jesus as it's as it's necessary to uh, correct the things in the earth to line up with the will of God amen now we don't use it for our convenience we don't speak the name of Jesus to all the red lights you know and I've seen people do that and uh, and they say see it worked and and it really kind of it bothers me a little bit because I, I don't see that it was the Lord in that moment at all. I just, you know, for their convenience, you know, 
Um, it's one thing if it's an emergency or whatever, but um, uh, we do a lot of foolish things, a lot of theatrical things in the church sometimes and try to say it's the Lord. And, uh, but there is a real use of the name of Jesus, amen? And uh, we have full access to that, to that name, unfettered. The Lord didn't say, well, you know, you can only use the name of Jesus on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but other than that, you're, you're on your own, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Uh, well, we, we are in the, uh, the last book of uh, uh, Dr. Yeoman's uh, four-book series here. Uh, and this is Health and Healing. And the first chapter uh, here is talking about the human body. Uh, and she was talking about the eyes and how amazing they are. And they are amazing and still, you know. And, um, uh, and if you look at uh, even like the brain, you know, the brain... People call, you know, computers brains, right? And they say the computers have, have the ability to do this uh, calculation or whatever. And, um, you know, in very specific things, the computer may be able, able to out-process a human brain, but uh, it can't uh, out-process um, the capacity of the human brain. So the human brain still has got uh, not infinitely more capacity, but... Uh, but uh, many orders of magnitude more capacity than, than any computer has today. Uh, and you can, you can see that because you, um, you know, all of us here are, are driving age, right? All of us drove here uh, or rode with somebody that drove here. And we don't think anything about it. We just drive and we get here. And they have been trying to perfect self-driving cars now for many years. And, uh, you know, if you go on a straight line from point A to point B, you know, they can do that. Well, you know, you could probably teach a toddler to do that, right? You know, uh, and, uh, you know, that's really not all that hard. But you put a pothole there, you put a, you know, you put a buffalo, you put a, you know, you put a possum or, you know, anything, right? A little rain or pebble on the ground or something. And, um, uh, you know, for you and me, it's no big deal, right? Our brain can process that scenario and go, okay, well, we need to do this, slow down, turn right, turn left, whatever, uh, in a fraction of a second, and, uh, you know, they still not, they're still not there, right? Uh, and so uh, they keep running over orange cones. And, and for whatever reason, left turns are really hard for these uh, um, uh, self-driving vehicles to, to do well, right? So if you're trying to left across traffic or something, and even my car, you know, my car is not a self-driving car, but it, it does have a brain, a mind of its own sometimes. You know, if I'm driving too fast, a little light comes on, says take your foot off the gas pedal, you know, and... And it's got, um, in fact, I was telling this to somebody the other day that they thought I was just making it up, but, you know, it's got, uh, they call it adaptive cruise control. You, you put it on whatever speed, you know, you know, usually like 90, 95 miles an hour, you know, whatever <laughs> speed you want to. And then uh, when you're following somebody, it'll stay three car lengths behind them no matter how fast they're going, right? So if they're going, if they slow down to 60, your car will automatically slow down to 60. If they speed up, you know, to a reasonable speed, like 90 miles an hour, then it'll speed up and catch up with them and, and um, and so it's, it, you know, but that's a straight line, right? Somebody's directly in front of you. But, um, but every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll be uh, turning left across traffic, right? And, and uh, you know, there's plenty of time. You know, there's, you know, they miss you by five or six inches, you know, easy, right? And so you, you can cut in front of them and get across to the other way. And, yeah, well, sometimes the car will just slam on the brakes, just stop, because it thinks it's going to, you're going to hit somebody. It's like, ah, I missed them, you know, by a good foot, easy, right? Uh, and, you know, but it doesn't think that, right? It, it thinks you might be in an accident, so it's, it'll stop. It'll, it'll apply the brakes for you and second-guess you, not unlike passengers in the car, right? Uh, second-guess you, too, all the time, right? Uh, and so you're a little helper, right? Uh, and so uh, because it's a hard problem to solve, right? You think about all the... You don't even think about it, but you, if you actually went through how many decisions that your brain has to make you know, you see a car coming, you realize it's, it's such and such a distance, it's traveling such and such a speed, so that means you've got about this much time to, to cross in front of them. You know, you're doing all those calculations in your brain without even noting, knowing it. Uh, and, of course, some people never do that calculation, close their eyes and gun it, right? And so, uh, you know, that, so we're not talking about those kinds of people, right? We're talking about people who are, you know, normal drivers, right? You, you look at every scenario and you figure out what I should do, slow down, speed up, turn left, turn right, you know, whatever. Uh, simple problem to solve, especially if you've done it for a long time. But at any given situation, there's thousands of calculations your brain is doing all at the same time, right? And, and, um, and that's because that's, that's part of it, right? And so uh, they're not able to do that. So, you know, the brain is, is, a, great, um, is a great indication of, 
uh, of a creator. You know, there's no way that this was evolved to become this ability, right? To, to look at scenarios and, and problem solve and calculate and all, the, all of those things. They'll tell you that, you know, all this was, was ev an evolution from previous uh, other types of mammals or other types of animals. Now, and it's not that way. It's God-given. It's inspired. Amen? Because you'd think after all this time, other, other mammals would have the creative ability to build something, right? I mean, it wouldn't be just limited to human beings, you know, you know, monkeys. And in fact, they tell you that, you know, from a DNA perspective, the difference between the DNA of a human and the DNA of like a banana is only like five or ten percent. It's not not really a whole much because you know you need they need to live and, and process air and things. And I don't know what the number is, but it's a small percentage, right? And, uh, and the DNA we share with primates, you know, is pretty close. And yet there's no monkeys building uh, laptops. There's no monkeys building roads, you know, and they've been around for, for a long time, right? How come they haven't jumped over into that evolutionary uh, leap like mankind has if it's all about evolution? Well, it's because God never gave them the inspiration, the God-given ability to think like that, right, to solve problems and to, to, um, um, to be creative like he is, amen? Uh, and that should be one indication that there is a God, that there's a, uh, you know, if you look at the animal kingdom, pretty much once you get past human beings, you know, they're pretty much the same, right? I mean, you look at a smart dog, it can do some problem solving, right? I mean, you know, my dog, uh, he, uh, we trained him how to go through a dog door, right? And we did it with food. So he knew if he goes through the little doggy door, there's food on the other side. So, and my dog is very food motivated. You can train him to do almost anything with food. <laughs> Not unlike people, right? But, uh, uh, and then, you know, my cat, I've got a cat and, um, you know, we had what, 87 cats at the house for a while, but now we're down to just two. Yeah, and um, uh, the first day we got him, uh, he, we, they found him in a forest. You know, we got him somewhere and they found him in a forest. So that's what they called him. They called him Forest. Well, we, we renamed him Mr. Wilford. And so, uh, and he's like the chillest, coolest cat you've ever seen. You know, nothing bothers him, right? He's like, yo. Uh, and so most cats just run all the time. You know, if you do something really loud around him, he look at you like, really? You know, could you keep it down? Uh, and, and so, so he got out into the garage, uh, and Chris said, "Where's the cat?" I said, "He's in the garage." You know, what? you know, well, you need to get him. He might go through the. Door. There's no way that cat can know how to go through that dog door, right? I mean, we had to train our dog a lot to get him to do it, right? Bribe him and all these things. And sure enough, we go outside. He had figured out how to get through that dog door all by himself. You know, he's really a smart cat, right? Cats, of course, they tell you that cats are the smartest dogs. They just don't care. Uh, and uh, that may be the case. I don't know. Uh, but this cat figured it out, right? He figured out how to get through this dog door on his own because he just likes to go outside. And so now we have to watch him, right? Because he's always trying to escape. But uh, anyway, all of that to, to say, you know, the human body is, is, is an amazing machine, right? How it operates and all the things we can do with our hands and the things we can do with our feet and things we can do just walking and running and, you know, uh, all these things. But then our mind, too, our brain has the capacity to do these things. Uh, and, and she was making a, a, a lot of points about that, that, you know, you look at uh, the types of things that our, our eyes can do it. And, and see, they'll tell you, like an evolutionist will tell you, you know, for example, that uh, women can see, like, the color red better than, the, than men can. And um, as, as in general, right now, that's not, may, may not always be the case, but in general, that's, uh, you know, a, a general trend that they see. And what, the, what they tell you is, well, the reason why that's so is because women used to be the gatherers, you know, the men were the hunters, women were the gatherers of, of fruits and whatever, you know, from, from uh, vines and things, and they had to be able to see the color red better than men because the red usually means something you can't eat. Uh, and so, uh, so that's why women can see better. Well, you know, they just made that up, right? They weren't there 100,000 years ago looking at m women. And is that true? That, I mean, do they have records that, you know, it says, you know, uh, Igor was the man and he killed all the animals and, you know, Jane was the wife and she got all the vegetables. I mean, do they have, there's no records like that, you know, they just made it up, right? And so they just make up stories like that, you know. Uh, it, if it's true, and I don't even know if it's true or not, but if it's true, I think the Lord's like, let's just do this. You know, because are women different than men physically? Well, sure we are, right? Uh, I mean, that doesn't take uh, even rocket science to figure that one out. And so the Lord just, he just does whatever he does, right? Let's just make them different, right? You want to? Uh, and, and so you know, that's a whole lot easier to believe that anyway than, than a made-up story about berries, you know, and, and, uh, 
I mean, okra's not red, and you can eat okra, right? So, I mean, do women have the ability to see okra better than men? I don't know, you know? Uh, and so, you know, just stuff like that that's, uh, you know, to me, oftentimes when you get into the area of evolution science, uh, it's you're required to suspend all intelligence and assume that these things that are fantastic stories that are impossibly uh, complex uh, possibilities for these things to actually be true, you just have to shut up and believe them, right? Now, other, you know, outside of evolutionary science, the scientific method, you know, we start with a theory, then you test it, and if it's true, then, then you, it moves eventually to a truth. Uh, well, that's the scientific method, but you're not allowed to apply that to evolution, right? And so, um, you just, evolution requires great faith. Uh, well, I'd rather apply my great faith to the Lord than, than to uh, made-up uh, uh, fake science, right? And so let's open our Bibles to the book of uh, Romans. And, and so, uh, so she's saying, uh, continuing here about the human body and what, what it has the capacity to do. And um, uh, we'll start here in uh, Romans chapter 1 in verse 19. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest or shown in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? Without excuse. So these are really important verses because some people say, well, you know, it's unfair that, that some people will not be Christians before the Lord comes back. And since they didn't get to go to a church or they didn't hear the gospel, that uh, they then will be judged by the Lord as having not accepted him unfairly. But see, uh, Paul said here that the invisible things, things of the realm of the spirit, can you see the things of the spirit? No, they're invisible, right? They're in a different, different realm. Your eyes are not... Uh, are not designed to see into the spirit realm. Now, the Lord can open things up for you to see in the spirit realm by his choice, but just as far as our natural ability, we cannot see into the, into the spirit realm. So, in order for the Lord to be a just God, he says that uh, they, they, uh, they're hidden from the creation of the world. They, he, he said they are clearly seen, so not just vaguely seen, clearly seen, uh, being understood by things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead. So the things that wood are made, well, all the trees are made, right? All the grass are made, the sky is made, the clouds are made, all of those things are made. And, and the Bible says that we have the capacity to see those things, right? So we, as human beings, as created beings, can see a tree. And if we really see it for what it is, it, which is a miracle that it, it actually works, right? Because, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that the, the humans... Uh, the, uh, all the mammals in the earth breathe in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide. And all the plants breathe in carbon dioxide and expel oxygen. Well, only the Lord could do that, right? See, the evolution said that was a complete accident. That's amazing. I mean, if you think about the chances of two completely separate uh, branches of, of cre uh, not creation in their mind, but uh, of evolution happened to... to to set each other up to be mutually beneficial. Well, you, but you've got all the animals over here, and they all stayed animals, and all the plants over here, and they all stayed plants. You know, how come, you know there's no plants that, that breathe oxygen and expel carbon uh, dioxide. And so, uh, so if you really look at even a tree, or even, you know, you look at a blade of grass, uh, uh, you can look at that and go, there has to be a God, there has to be a creator, there has to be somebody who designed that. You know, uh, they try to talk about, the, the you know humanity even but if you know i think sometimes just you look at the, the tip of your finger right on the tip of your finger you've got fingerprints which are unique to in all the world well, they all been all unique you know uh, every human being pretty much has the exact same skeletal system right so many bones right the, the knee bones connect to the ankle bone ankle bones connect to the foot bone you know i mean all the real signs like that right uh, and but every human being and it, you know it doesn't matter black white yellow green they're all same skeletal system, right? Uh, same muscular system, same organs, exact same organs. You know, if you're a Chinese person, you have a liver. If you're an American, you have a liver. If you're from Europe, you have a liver. It's in the same location. It's exactly the same. But the fingerprints are completely unique across every single human being that's ever lived. Uh, and so why is that unique, right? Well, why is that a thing? And 
you know, of course, they'll tell you there's a reason for it. There's no reason for it, except that the Lord goes, hey, let's make him unique, right? So you've got fingerprints, you've got nerves, right, that can sense things, and you've got super sensitive nerves at your fingertips. Uh, well, why did the Lord do that? Because the Lord wanted us to have those, right? Uh, you've got a fingernail, uh, you, you've, got, um, you've got bone in there, you've got skin in there. I mean, you think about how many different features there are just to the tip of your finger, and, and, and evolution s- says every one of those began as a mistake from the previous generation, right? A, a fingerprint was a failure uh, or a, uh, a, an, uh, an error in the DNA from the prior generation, right? That uh, it's, it's basically, you know, the DNA was set, there was no fingerprints, and then there was a flaw in, in you know, Bob's DNA that he, he grew up and he had fingernails. Nobody else had fingernails, but, but there was a de- defect in his genetic coding that now he has fingernails. Nobody else has had fingernails before. He's got fingernails. And then that not only, not only did he have fingernails, but then that became a hereditary thing that his children also had fingernails. And eventually, somehow, even though only one person had fingernails and there was a gazillion people, everybody else got fingernails. Well, so that means that Bob, so that means that, that every single uh, feature of the human body was always, can always be traced back to a single person and somehow that single person became the parent of every other person in the world well that, that doesn't make any sense right because you you go back far enough we only have one ancestor right of course all of our ancestors would go back to noah but in 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 evolutionary science all of our ancestors go back to a gazillion different people because you know uh, fingers came from you know uncle bob and and, and toenails came from, you know, Aunt Susie, and, and, you know, your tongue came from Betty Lou, and your hair came from uh, Sister Sal. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Every single defect had to go back to a beginning. And that's how, it, it, so it just makes no sense, right? If you have a brain, evolutionary science makes no sense from a mathematical standpoint, from, from, a, from a statistical standpoint. Every, every feature was a prior flaw. And, but now it's a good thing, right? And so... And they call it, you know, um, uh, uh, I forget what there's a, there's a term for it, Jared, something like selective, uh, uh, selective science or something like that. Um, that basically says that if you've got two, two versions of the mammal and one of them's got fingernails and one of them doesn't, then the one that's got fingernails is going to survive and, and the one that doesn't, they're not going to make it, right? And so they all die off, right? Uh, but that just, it just, you know, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Just from a walking around standpoint. So the, the point of, that she's saying here is that because we have the ability to see, see, we can look at creation, the, the things that are made. Uh, and because we have a brain, we have a mental capacity, that brain mental capacity, the ability to see should help us to, to acknowledge there has to be a creator. There has to be a design. Somebody had to design these things, right? They had to design cells and the ability for cells to process oxygen and ability for cells to process uh, food and sugar and, and different things, you know, all of those features, you know, th- there's things that the human body know, does that we don't even know, right? All, all the different cells, we don't even know what they do, and yet the Creator did all of those things, right? And, and so, so uh, our, our eyesight then, in this particular case, our eyesight, has the ability to see that and she made some points about uh, we can see god who is invisible uh, by the by the things that he has made uh, and and so and of course uh, he's not he's made nothing greater uh, than mankind who is made in his image right uh, and, and just that you know why why do human beings why are we the only ones who have an awareness that we're human beings right and that they aware that we're alive and aware that that uh, we're here in this building and that, you know, I mean, when I go away and when I leave the house, as far as my dog is concerned, I stopped existing and I show back up. He goes, you're, you, you, you're back, right? You, you disappeared. I, I didn't know where you were. I didn't think you was ever coming back. I didn't know that you were somewhere else. He doesn't have that concept that I just left and came back. He just thought I would disappeared, was gone forever. And now I'm back. That's why he's so excited when he sees me, right? He acts like he's never seen me before. Uh, and, um, you know, I wonder why my wife doesn't treat me like that. I come home and, and she's just like, hey, I come home, my dog's like, you know, ah, he's slobbering all over me, you know, and stuff, you know, and, and uh, my wife has never slobbered all over me when I come home and doesn't run around circles, you know, and, and, and um, 
you know, you kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm not appreciated like I should be, right? Uh, and so, but that's the, the, the distinction. God made it that way, amen? And see, I'm okay with that, right? I'm okay that, that humanity is the top of the food chain. You know, and the world's always trying to diminish the value of humanity to make it equal to uh, uh, nature, right? Equal to animals that are not human beings, even to plants, right? Um, and, and uh, you know, all these vegetarians, these, these uh, uh, mili- militant vegetarians, you know, they're vegetarians from a moral standpoint, that it's morally wrong to eat an animal. And yet that's why God created them, right? So we could eat them. And so uh, it, it, no, that's why he created plants, so we can eat them. And so, um, but, you know, we don't want to go too, too far down that particular path. Uh, but uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20 gives me a lot of comfort because I know that all of creation right now is testifying of the, of the creator. And that if anybody w- with, a, with a brain should be able to look at that and go, there's no way that that was an accident. There's no way that the sunset was an accident. There's no way that uh, the beautiful plants and animals uh, were an accident. There's no way that humanity is an accident, amen? If, you, if you're honest with yourself, uh, you couldn't look at any, any uh, evolutionary science and say that, uh, that that's, that's what created us, amen? You'd have to come to the conclusion that it was a... Um, it was, a, it was a, a design. Somebody designed us, amen, to work this way. Uh, and, and, you know, and all of creation is amazing because they tell you that uh, where, where the earth is located, that if it was just a little bit further away from the sun, we couldn't live. If it was a little bit closer to the sun, we couldn't live. It had to be exactly where we're at for, for our type of life to live at this location. Uh, and so well, why is that? Well, the Lord knows everything, right? He knows exactly how to make it work, amen? And he knows that, you know, not too close, not too far, be, has to be just right. And so, uh, so we're thankful for that, amen? And so then she, she goes on to talk about how uh, that we are created in God's image and God's, God's likeness. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, uh, let's turn over to 1 uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 6 here. Um, and... Um, uh, she starts back up earlier there, but uh, we'll just read. Uh, I'm going to read um, verse 21st, and we're going to back up here in just a second. Uh, she said, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Um, and so we, we have the capacity to glorify God. Uh, and it's amazing that we can do that, right? Uh, and so uh, we do that through, um, uh, through our lives, right? We, we, we glorify God through our physical bodies, amen, through our, through our words and through our actions. Uh, and, and we have the capacity to do that. And, and there's nothing in the scriptures that says the animals glorify God, uh, but the humanity has the capacity to do that. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, the, the other point of that, that verse there, it says, for you are bought with a price. So what was the price that, that bought us? What did, what did God pay for us? What was the price that he paid for us? Uh, it, it was the blood of Jesus, right? When, um, um, when he was looking at all the sins of the world, um, you know, there's a price to sin, right? And people don't really appreciate that. But, uh, you know, you, there, there's something about, uh, and one of these days, you know, I'll get more insight in this, uh, but there's something about sin that a perfect and just God cannot just allow sin to just, just continue, right? I mean, maybe there's only, if, the, if there was only ever one sin in all of humanity, God couldn't just overlook it. He, it has to be dealt with. Uh, and in the Old Testament, the way that it dealt with was, uh, was an animal had to die, right? Blood had to be shed. And of course, the book of Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So uh, for some reason, that when an, when an infraction occurs uh, called a sin, it has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with by blood. Uh, and, uh, you know, they temporarily took care of that in the Old Testament with the shedding of blood with bulls and goats, but it wasn't sufficient to, to be lasting, amen? Uh, and so they had to keep doing that every year, right? They had to keep killing more and more man- and, uh, animals. In fact, when, when Solomon um, dedicated the temple, he sacrificed over 100,000 mammals, right? 100,000 sheep or and goats, uh, it's huge. Now, you think about that. That's a lot of work, right? You had to kill 100,000 animals for one thing, for one event. 
Uh, and um, wouldn't you love to be the priest in, at the temple at that point in time, right? Uh, and so uh, that'd be a lot of murdering, uh, amen, uh, of mammals. And so, uh, but for whatever reason, it has to be dealt with. So uh, all sin has to be paid for. Now, you can pay for it yourself, uh, which uh, your payment is not going to be sufficient. And that's the issue, right? And people who think, well, I'm going to pay for my own sins. Well, that's great, right? Except that when you look at what the cost of sin is and what you can bring to the table, there's not a, there's not uh, an equal amount, right? So you're going to go down and uh, uh, there was uh, this lady back back in the in the housing market back in the like 2008 or whatever, back when the housing market was crazy and there was a big failure in that market. The reason why there was a failure is because banks would say, "Hey, we've got a $500,000 house. We're going to sell it to you." And um, it's like, what's your annual salary? Well, my annual salary is $50,000. Okay, well, here's your payments. Uh, and, and then, of course, they can't afford them, right? Because they want to buy it, they desire to buy it, but they don't have the ability to buy it. Uh, and so people would still buy them anyway. Somehow the banks would still sign off on those loans and, and hope that the government would back them up, which is really the whole deal, right? And, and of course, there was a lot more stuff going on besides that. But people all the time... Uh, you know, when I was growing up, we, we called it uh, champagne taste and beer pockets. You know, you never had that, right? People love super expensive things but can't afford super expensive things, right? So they don't have the ability to purchase it. You know, they want to, they desire to, but they don't have the ability to purchase it, have the funds to purchase it. And that's the same problem in the area of sin is we think, well, I'm just going to suffer for my own sins, right? I'm just going to suffer for the sins that I'm committing and I'll pay for my own sins. But the problem is the cost of the, the, the sin, because the sin is always against the Lord. And you're going to take your, your natural body, which has already been touched by sin, and you're going to sacrifice that natural body and, and die or suffer or whatever you think you're going to do to pay for that sin. But the problem is you're bringing, you're bringing a, an impure sacrifice to the table to pay for a sin against a pure God. So your sacrifice, even if you wanted to make it, you know, you're, you're supposed to bring, remember the Old Testament, the, the rule was you had to bring a, a sacrifice without blot or, or, or without spot or blemish, right? So you couldn't bring a three-legged sheep. You couldn't bring a, you know, a, a, a goat missing a head or, you know, missing a hoof or, you know, uh, had bad hair or whatever. You know, you couldn't bring it uh, that. You had to bring a perfect uh, sacrifice and, the, and that was still the best you could do. Uh, and it, it really wasn't even perfect enough because you had to do it every year. So people all the time won't, won't, are wanting to pay for their own sins, but they, they can't do it. It's just biblically not possible. It's technically not possible because uh, that, that payment has to equal the cost of the infraction. Uh, and you're never going to get caught up. You're never going to, even one sin, you would never have lived a life that was quality enough to do that, and that's, of course, uh, part of the reason is because we have a sin nature in our bodies, which is passed down because of Adam's sin. And that alone makes you unqualified. It means you have a spot or a blemish on your life because of that sin nature. So you'll never be qualified to pay for a sin because of that sin nature. Uh, and yet, dumb people all the time are trying, I'm going to pay for my own sins, right? Um, and, 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 you know, they, they think, well, and, they'll, and they try to, sometimes they try to earn uh, equity against their sin. So I'm going to go do good things, right? I'm going to go and feed the poor. I'm going to go and clothe the naked. I'm going to go and, and help humanity. And that's great, but the cost of the sin is this high. And if you work your entire life, you're going to get to right here. And if you could live as long as, as, uh, as Methuselah lived, 969 years, you're still going to be right here. The cost is this high, and you're still going to be right here. So you're just never going to equal the cost of that sin. Now, the, the, you know, the Bible explains that to us, shows us these things, tells us how these things work, and yet people won't believe it, right? They're, well, that's, you know, I'm going to get a special deal. There's no special deal. The Lord makes the law, right? It's his, it's his creation. He's already figured all these things out. And for us to say, I can do it on my own, is foolishness, amen? And so he's, we've been bought with a price. When the Lord looked at all the, all the sins, and he added up, right? He has a big spreadsheet of sins, and he adds up this sin costs this much, this sin costs this much, this sin costs this much. And he adds it up and the price is basically infinity. So what's, what can we have? What do we have that would be worth that much? Well, let's send my perfect son down to the earth 
you know, we can't send bulls or goats. Those aren't going to be sufficient because even a, a healthy bull or goat still got some, uh, some minor thing that's not right. Maybe there's one hair out of place, right? Maybe there's, uh, you, know, you know, one foot is slightly bigger than the other foot. There's not going to be perfect, there's no perfect animal out there. Uh, and so, so the Lord sent his very own son. That was the only payment that was, that was enough to pay for all of our sins. His blood was the only thing valuable enough to pay for it. So, so we have been bought with a price. We've been purchased with a price. The price that was paid was the blood of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and so, therefore, glorify God in your body. So we are bought. Now, uh, for all of humanity, he's already bought uh, the payment, uh, made the payment for their sins. Amen. So even though they've been bought, they're still, it's more like a coupon, right? It's already paid for. Here's a coupon, but you still have to cash that coupon in, right? You go to a store and, uh, you know, there's a sale and you have to have the coupon and you go to the cash register and say, you know, I want to buy this. Well, where's your coupon? Well, I don't have it. Can I just get the deal anyway? No, you can't have the deal without the coupon, right? Uh, and so uh, who can get the coupon? Anybody can get the coupon, right? But you have to have the coupon and the coupon is accepting the Lord Jesus, right? He's already paid for everything. It's already printed. He's already done it. He's not going to do it anymore. All the coupons that have been uh, printed have been printed. There's not going to be any more coupons printed. The blood of Jesus was shed one time. But you still have to cash that. You know, they call it redeeming. You know, you ever seen it? Uh, redeemed value. They, t- they tell you coupons, when you turn them in, that's called being redeemed. You're redeeming the, the coupon for the, the value of, the, of that coupon. Uh, and we've been redeemed, right? The word redeemed means to be purchased, purchased out of the marketplace. So we have been bought with a price and the price was the Lord Jesus. When we choose to accept the Lord Jesus, we accept the price that was paid for us. And we choose to allow that transaction to be completed, right? So it's not really complete until we accept that, right? You know, you go through all the stuff, you're buying all the stuff online, and you still have to go to the very end and you say, I choose to accept this purchase, right? And until you do that, it's not really a purchase, right? It's, it's all just there in your cart, uh, and you haven't made the final, the final transaction yet. So in the humanity, when we accept the Lord Jesus, we're making the final transaction. We're saying, yes, I accept the, the terms and conditions of this purchase, and I choose to accept it. Uh, and so when you do that, now you have allowed the Lord to pay for your sins, right? So, you've been, so now you've been bought with a price. Now, that's not, that's not like, uh, uh, you know, you ever, you ever uh, bought something and you didn't get what you bought for, right? It's not, it's not a bait and switch, uh, you, you do it, uh, you should be doing this with a clear conscience, a clear understanding that, okay, I choose to accept the work that the Lord Jesus did for me. Now, some people don't like that. They don't like that, they don't like that transaction. They don't like that, that business opportunity. Uh, and they want to live how they want to live. They don't want to submit to the Lord, except the problem is, well, they've already committed the sins, right? And they can't recover from that on their own. Uh, and so if they were intelligent human beings, they would realize that, that they can't recover on their own. They need assistance in that. God can't overlook that because he's, he's a pure and just holy God. There's sin in the world. It has to be, your sin has to be dealt with. You can't just not be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. Uh, and, so you can, uh, and so if you, go to, if you miss eternity, the reason why you, you end up in hell if you've not accepted the Lord Jesus is because you're there because uh, that sin hasn't been paid for. So now you have to pay, try to pay for it well, you'll be there for all eternity and you still won't get caught up. Uh, and, and that's the problem, right? Uh, and, and so we've been bought with a price. We chose to accept the Lord's work on our behalf. We chose to let him buy us out of the marketplace. Uh, and he says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, and uh, how many parts make up humanity? Remember, how, how are we created? What makes up a human being? Spirit, soul, and body, right? How many things were bought here in, in verse 20? Your body and your what? Your spirit. What's missing from that? Your soul. Well, why wasn't your soul bought? Anybody know? I think you all know, right? You know the answer. What's the answer? Right. <laughs> you have a free will, right? If you bought your will, then you no longer have a free will, right? So, so he didn't buy your, your free will. He bought your body. He paid for your body. He paid for your spirit, right? So you have a free will to choose to do that or not. Uh, and even when you accept that transaction, you still have a free will. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but if it's, if it's the Lord, if he paid for your body, 
then who's ultimately responsible for actually fixing your body? Well, you are. I mean, the Lord is, right? It's his body, right? Now, you're responsible to maintain it, right? Wash the thing, feed the thing. But if there's something wrong with it, you go back to the owner and say, hey, this is yours, right? It's like when people rent, rent uh, property, right? I mean, they're, they're responsible for cleaning it, right? Changing a light bulb or, you know, closing the door, you know, whatever. Uh, but, but, you know, if, if the, uh, the, the sink backs up, you call the owner. It's their, it's their property. They're responsible for fixing it, right? Uh, and that's the deal. You know, they're, they're not required to go and buy new plumbing, go buy and pay for a plumber to come out unless, you know, they're, they're stuffing things down the, down the drain. They ought not be stuffing down the drain. That's a different discussion there. But if things just fails, right, if the water here stops working, you know, then the, it's the owner of that property that's responsible to fix that. Well, the Lord is the owner. Of, it says your bodies, which is God's. So if he's responsible to fix it, then won't he fix it? Well, surely he's not a, 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 a deadbeat landlord, is he? Right? He's a good landlord, right? If, uh, if it's broke, he'll fix it, right? And, and good landlords that are good landlords, if something's broke, they'll fix it, right? You get some landlords, they won't fix it, right? Well, it's broke. Yeah, well, somebody should do something. Well, that would be you, right? I mean, if somebody should do something, it should be the owner. So, so that's kind of a big deal, right, that uh, these things... Uh, are bought with a price, and, and, and so. And her, but her point here is that we, as created beings, have the ability to, to, um, uh, to glorify God. So let's let's back up just a little bit up to verse thirteen, and we're going to re- reread these verses here, and get some more insight uh, about this. And says, uh, verse thirteen: uh, meats for the belly, and belly for the meats. But God shall destroy both of them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Uh, so he's talking about your physical body, right? Your body is for the Lord. And the Lord is for your body. If the Lord is for your body, why wouldn't he heal it? You know, and so, and God hath raised up, uh, God hath both raised up the Lord, who will also raise up us by his own power. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What know you not that, that uh, he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You know, I had uh, somebody argue with me that just because if you have physical relations with somebody, if you have, you know, sex with somebody, that you're automatically married to them. But it says right there that if you join yourself to a harlot, you are joined with them in one flesh, but you're not married to the harlot. She's a harlot, right? Uh, so you're not automatically, so they think because you've, been, you've had physical relations with somebody that, you're, that they're automatically your, your husband or your wife. That's not what the Word of God says right there, right? Uh, and so that's a little rabbit path there. But, but he that is joined to the Spirit unto the Lord is, 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 is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. And then it goes back down to, to uh, verse 20. Uh, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Uh, and so verse 19 there is our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and you would think that uh, you go back and look at uh, the reason why he uses this analogy is uh, to, to remind yourself, to remind us, of what the original temple and how the original temple was built. If you go back, Solomon, Solomon built the original temple, right? So before the temple, they had a tabernacle, which was the tent, and they would tr- they'd have to break it down, carry it somewhere, and put it back up, you know, as they were wandering through the wilderness. Well, you know, then for a long time, they didn't have anything really to, to, uh, to worship the Lord. And then finally, uh, David wanted to build a, a temple for the Lord, a physical permanent structure, and the Lord told him he couldn't do that, but he saved up the money, gave it to to uh, Solomon, and Solomon built a temple, and it's an amazing structure, right? It took 40 years to build it, gold everywhere, you know, all the, you know, there was no hammers that were used to build it, everything was cut off site, and they, they brought it and put it together like a Lego set, uh, and um, um, of course, they didn't have Legos there, but they, at the time, obviously, but, um, but it was an amazing structure, right? And you know, all these artisans came together and built all the, made all the tapestry and all the linen for everything and all of the uh, tools for doing the sacrifices. You know, everything was just top shelf, right? Uh, amazing materials and amazing craftsmanship. And, and the Lord said, that's your body, right? Your body is the temple. 
Right? This beautiful thing that the Lord created, that mankind created, is a poor representation of, of the beauty that he made the, the, the physical body. Uh, and, and yet that body now has the capacity, just like the Old Testament temple kept the holiest of holies, right? The, the Ark of, of the Covenant, uh, where the Shekinah glory of the Lord would, would present itself, and, but only there. Uh, but now we have that same God in us, and we are the temples. We are the holiest of holies, right? We're not the, we're not the outer court. We're the inner court. We're the holiest of holies. We are the place where the Spirit of God dwells, and that's in our physical bodies, right? Uh, and so, so she just made some points about the body there that, uh, number one, uh, that it, it, it is the Lord's. He claims it for himself, uh, and he does, but... but you know, it's with the contract that we chose to allow him to do that, right? Does he make anybody accept him? No, but that's the contract. He said, if you will accept me, I will take over ownership of your body and I will be responsible for its well-being. Amen. You're responsible for its general maintenance, day-to-day stuff, cleaning it and take, taking care of it. But I'm responsible ultimately as the owner of it. I'm, I have to pay the taxes on it. I have to do the repairs of it. Uh, well, that's the deal, right? And that's a pretty good deal, right? And so uh, he claims it for himself. He's going to raise it from the dead. Uh, it's a member of Christ. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. It was bought with a price. Uh, and, and that's just in the current condition of the body, right? As frail as this human body is, right? We can't go to the sun. We can't go to the moon without special uh, gear and material, right? We can't go for more than a couple days without sleep, more than a, a couple days without water, right? More than a, a few days without food. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of frail, right? We can't walk around the earth without getting rest sometime there. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, in general, it's kind of frail, right? Uh, but someday we will get a, uh, a glorified body. And so she just mentions a couple of verses there. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 3. <laughs> And so, you know, as, as uh, this particular body is right now, um, um, we're going to get an upgrade, right? And so in 1 John chapter 3, it says, uh, verse 2, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for that trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, uh, so we call it a glorified body, right? It's a glorified body because right now we live in a mortal body, right? It's a body, the word mortal means subject to death, right? So this body, everybody that's on the earth is going to die someday, amen? Um, and, and, you know, as much as we believe in healing, it's not a promise to live forever in this physical state, amen? Uh, but it, it is a promise that we will live in divine health until it's our time to go home to be with the Lord. And really that time is, is generally uh, uh, up to us when we want to go home, amen? Now, we can't just say, well, Lord, I just want to live forever. He's, uh, well, I never promised that for you, so you can't believe God for that. But, you know, if... Uh, I remember one time when, when uh, Brother Hagins, his mom, was, was uh, not well, and uh, the Lord said, well, let her come on home, right? And she didn't have much faith, but he had faith for her. He let her come on home. And, and he said, Lord, he said, you know, I just, uh, you know, she, we grew up so poor. We grew up with nothing. And, uh, and he said, even when I was, you know, first ministering, he said, I didn't have any ability to care for my mother, right? He was poor. He was broke. You know, he t- tells all the stories of those things. Uh, and but as his ministry and his faith grew, you know, uh, he was able to better care for his mother. And he said, look, and he said, Lord, he said, just, I'm just now at a point in my life where I can give my mother the things that I've always wanted to give and be a blessing to her. Uh, and, and, so, and so the Lord said, well, what would you like? He said, I would like five more years uh, her on this earth so that I can just be a blessing to her and show her how much I appreciate what she did for me and my, my brother's. Uh, and growing up. And so the Lord did. He granted her another five years uh, and um, so that he could, he could be a, a blessing to her. Amen. And then after five years, she went home to be with the Lord. Uh, and so, 
but we will get a glorified body. Well, well what, what will that be when we get a glorified body? Well, it tells us that, that uh, right now that our bodies in verse 53 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this corruptible, we have a corruptible body, right? It has the ability to be corrupted by, by sickness and disease, right? And at, but at some point, we will, we will have a body that is incorruptible. Now, uh, uh, Peter tells us that uh, we've been born again, not by a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. So spiritually, we are already incorruptible. But our bodies are not incorruptible, amen? Uh, except for uh, the power of God, amen? Now, <clears throat> and so, you know, when Jesus touched the leper, you know, the lepr- leprosy is, a, is a, uh, a transferable disease. And if you touch it, you will get that corruption in, into your body. Uh, except for the faith of God, right? The faith of God can make you incorruptible in that moment, but, it, you know, um, and it can make you incorruptible for all sickness and disease, but it doesn't keep you from, from dying um, ultimately, right? It won't let you live forever. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a story with, uh, with uh, John G. Lake when he was uh, traveling to Africa, and, and um, this is back in the 1800s. Um, the, the bubonic plague was kind of running through Africa, and he said, I'm not afraid of that. He said, in fact, uh, get some of that plague and put it on my, on my hand and, and then look at it under a microscope. Well, of course, he had to convince people back then to do that. You know, nowadays, there's no way they would do that, right? Because lawsuits and, and uh, lawyers and everything. And so, <clears throat> so uh, but he got him to do that. And, and when he put that plague on his hand and he looked at it under a microscope, microscope, all of those germs uh, or viruses, I'm, I'm assuming they're germs because you could see them easily under a microscope. I don't think you could have seen a virus back then under a microscope. I doubt they even knew what viruses were back then, but, uh, but they could see those germs, and they all shriveled up and died because his, the, the power of God in him was incorruptible. Uh, amen? And so we can live that way. We have the ability to, right now, uh, to by faith we can be incorruptible, but not permanently, right? We will die. We will, we will leave this earth. Amen? And, and this mortal... And that, that's why you have to look at the whole verse. This mortal uh, must put on immortality. This body that is subject to death must put on a body that is no longer subject to death. Uh, and so that's going to be a big change for us, right? That we will, we will go from being concerned about dying, being concerned about sickness and disease, or having to apply faith to those things to get to a point where we don't even need to apply faith to those things because there's no issue there. There's not going to be any sin uh, that can defeat our physical bodies. And so now uh, Jesus has got a glorified body. And we see the things that, that he could do with his glorified body. He came to the earth, right? He walked through walls. Uh, he ate. He, you know, he sat down, right? He spoke. And so, you know, there's, there's not going to be a lot of difference from, <clears throat> from our physical bodies now to when we get the glorified body. It's not like we're going to look completely different, have like three legs and six arms or anything like that. Still going to be this pretty much the same design that we have. Uh, it's just um, it's just going to be an upgrade, amen. Uh, and so um, we don't know about uh, what all we're going to be able to do with those glorified bodies, but it's going to be nice not to have to deal with sickness and disease anymore, amen, uh, or death. And so, of course, death is an enemy, and it's going to be the last enemy that's dealt with, amen. Uh, and so, uh, and we'll mention this, and then we'll we'll pick this up again next week. Uh, she said that when she was studying, uh, you know, she was a doctor, right? So she was actual real medical doctor, and so not just a, a doctor of theology, but an actual medical doctor. Uh, when she was studying uh, the human body for her degree, she said that, uh, that, that the Lord was made real to her, especially when she first examined the human brain. Anybody seen pictures of the human brain? You know, you look at it, and um, it's like, how, how does that work? It's just like, it looks like, like uh, you know, like spaghetti, right? It just, it's just uh, somehow that human brain has the capacity to, to then become us, right? But the thing that, that scientists don't really appreciate is, you know, your souls and memory, it's not just physical, your physical brain. It's really your physical brain is just transferring or, or it's, it's expressing the memories that are in your soul. Uh, and so and that's why, you know, people get brain damage. They, they, they no longer can remember things, but it's really because their brain doesn't have the capacity to transfer that information from the soulless realm into, into the natural realm through their words or through their, uh, through their actions. Because if you go back to 
Uh, any stories we read about uh, what happens after we die, like with the rich young ruler there, right, um, uh, in, um, in Luke 16, when he's in hell, he knows Abraham, he knows Lazarus, he can speak, they can have a conversation, they can see, they can hear. Well, that's all in the soulless realm, right? This, or in the spirit realm, right? But it's part of his soul. So it's not, you know, and that's why scientists don't really understand everything because they're missing that ingredient that this is, your brain is really just a conduit to transfer information from the soulless realm into this natural realm. Uh, and so, but that brain is amazing, right? Because all the neurons are firing. They can put it under, under these machines. They can look at it. And, and when, you, when you look at light, for example, they can see which type of your which area your brain is, is turned on and turned off. And when you eat food and you enjoy it, they can see what part of your brain is, tur is turned on and turned off. Uh, and so they can see what parts of the brain are processing those types of information. Uh, but they still have that one, the one little, uh, one little flaw of, in their understanding, one little limitation in their understanding there. Uh, but uh, when you see that the brain has, you know, our brain is what, what converts uh, light into images, right? Uh, it's uh, what uh, converts air pressure changes into hearing, right? You can hear me speaking now, but the reason why you can hear me speaking is because my vocal cords are taking the air molecules and they're compressing them or expanding them. Uh, and that's a, it's like a pressure wave that's, that's going through the air. And, and when your ear hears that pressure, it can sense the change in pressure of the air molecules and it converts that to electricity, which then goes to your brain, and your brain converts that into words. And then they can understand, well, those words have meanings. Well, it's all based upon on the compression of air molecules. And it's amazing, right, I mean, how that even works, but it does. And, and we don't think about it. I'm here communicating. Anybody here dwelling on, 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 um, uh, on air pressure right now and the changes of air pressure and how that's being converted into electricity? You probably haven't thought about that at all, at all once today, right? I don't know what's wrong with you all, but, um, uh, and so, but your brain is doing that, right? Uh, and then it, 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 uh, it uh, passes that information on to your soul, and then you make, you make a decision on those things and what to do, uh, how to process that. Do, do you accept these words or not? Uh, and so, um, so she was amazed at the human brain, right? Uh, and, and um, you know, the marvel of it. And so, you know, as a medical doctor, I can see that, right? So we'll stop there and we'll, we'll continue on in, in this area. She just continues to talk about this, about how marvelous the human body is. And, and it really is, right? And, it, and it's really a good, a good way to understand and appreciate that there's a creator, to, that he created our physical bodies. It wasn't an accident. He, every feature of the human body, the Lord in, in heaven, in his little uh, human body design lab, well, let's do this. Let's add this. Let's put this feature, right? Well, how many fingers and toes? Uh, you know, uh, how about 10? That's not like a good number, right? I mean, it could have been nine. Well, why wasn't it a nine? Why wasn't it 11? You know, he just liked the number 10. Uh, well, why 10? Because that's what he picked, right? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for, for being good to us, for speaking to us. And, Father, we thank you for the marvel of this human body. And, Father, it's a declaration of your goodness. Father, when we step outside the walls of this church and we see nature, we see the things that are created, it's also a testimony of your, of your goodness and kindness, Father. And so, as you said in your word, Father, we are without excuse. When we see the things of creation, uh, whether it's, it's plants or animals, Father, or even trees or, or mountains or the sky, any aspect of creation testifies of your goodness. And so, Father, we are without excuse that there is a God that there is a creator. Uh, Father, these things are not hard to understand, not hard to see, but the will of man makes them hard to accept sometimes. And so, Father, we choose to accept these things. And we thank you for your goodness and kindness, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, we'll, um, uh, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And, um, you know, I think any Christian... Uh, is, you know, I'm always appreciative of creation, amen? You know, it's funny how some people will, will go beyond that and start worshiping creation, like worshiping human beings or worshiping trees or, you know, it's really, it's really kind of weird that they do those things, right? Because they're just somebody else made them, right? And so, I mean, I can appreciate them, but I don't have to worship them, amen? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering today. And, and um, uh, we're just so thankful to him, amen? Uh, and so...
I think this book will go pretty quick, actually, right? I was looking through my notes, and, and um, this, this, uh, uh, this book will go by pretty quick, and so we'll be on to something else. Uh, I mean, it, we might get done, I bet, within four or five years, easy. So, um, but, um, uh, but we actually have some pretty good questions on some of these chapters here. So, all right, well, let's see. Um, uh, well, uh, we'll be back here next, next. There's veggies, vegetables, right? What have we got today? What have we got today? Anybody know? What radishes? You got you got your first. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okra and tomatoes. Tomato okra. I think that's a. Isn't that a thing? Tomato okras. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, are they back here in the kitchen? In the kitchen. All right. Well, help yourself to those, and, and uh, we'll appreciate. Uh, uh, them bring, being brought here, and uh, we'll see you all next Sunday, right?